growth as above, so below. Feel the pain in my soul, the rep he'll dissolve. Organized, no matter the cost. Politicians start wars, they don't fight, they sit the poor. And nothing lasts forever as long as we stay together. Give hell to the masses, watch the unity rapture. This is for the kids and the culture. It's one love, one growth, one light. Light warriors. Forgive the lag and stuff like that. Um, StreamYard is playing with me today. I don't know what's going on, but we still good. We still got picture. We still got sound. So we just going to keep rocking until yep. something else happens. Um, <laughs> I got a special guest. Uh, I, I fucking um, grew up basically uh, went to high school. And then I saw this dude um, coming into the improv classes, educating us and stuff like that. And I've, I've been looking up to him ever since. Um, his name is Jason Phoenix tall man and this dude is an ill poet and i'm so so glad that you on the show man i'm so glad that you like took the time out you're actor poet you do a lot for the community um thank you so much for coming on man this is like really real right here (laughs) hey hey it's, it's an honor to be here man you know i'm always here to you know uplift the community and you know i'm always here for you and stuff like that you know i'm just i'm happy to be here you know i'm excited Word, word, word. And um we we there's a lot that we can talk about a lot. And one of the things that I want to talk about real quick is you you talked about acting. Um and I have I only had like a few actors on here. So you'll be I think you're like number three uh, of the how many actors okay. I had on here. And there's so many times, you know, I used to do acting and I gave up. Um uh-huh. How did you keep going? Like what? Because like you, because now you're a teacher now, right? Like you're teaching acting as well too now. Well, yeah, I'm a um, I I'm a teacher at uh Houston Tonic. I'll be teaching the improv course for the Capital Prep students because they really can't have like a like say like a gym or whatever. This is satisfying like their like art elective. Um, so like Houston Tonic linked up with Capital Prep and they're able to take a couple of classes at Houston Tonic and earn like those art electives or whatever. The improv class isn't the only class that they can take to earn earn an art elective. I believe it's like a a art class or maybe like an English class or something else. Um, I'm not even 100% sure. I believe they earn college credits when they take this class and for their high school, Mm -hmm. you know, credits too. Um, But yes, I teach for the Capital Prep students at Houston Tonic and I also have my own my own improv troupe um, here in Bridgeport. Never say no. We just did a show. Boom, boom, never say no. Um, improv troupe. And yes, I've taught like, you know, in several like different summer camps like Elm Shakespeare uh, in New Haven, um, Hall Neighborhood House, uh, oh, Rebirth Arts Collective with Tennessee and Toya when we were there that summer out of Houston Tonic doing like, a, you know, we had like dance there and like video editing. Uh, kids made their own little short documentary and like you know acting classes and creative writing. But um, yeah, like acting. I'm sorry, I thought I like I got sidetracked. What was the question? How did I get into acting? Or you said acting by a teacher, right? Yeah. How did you get in? And how did you kept going? Because you know, oh, I went on, to yeah. acting school and I couldn't last. <laughs> oh well, the yeah, reason the reason last. why I, I would say like. The thing that kept me going is that like um, 
I had a game plan and I had a game plan and I had like really, really great mentors. Like for me, it's just like, um, you know, I always wanted to like teach acting. So like when I was navigating my way through college, I always was like looking for the internships or like get it, trying to get that experience of like, okay, let me teach this workshop or let me get this internship to get on my resume or get that experience to get the education, you know, background with it. So with me, it wasn't always like, I'm gonna prepare this monologue and then go audition. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, I'm gonna do that, get those skills good as an actor, but also um, look for the opportunities, you know, for the internships to put me in position to learn from like, uh, when I was at like doing an education department at Long Wharf, you know, and Long Wharf is a big staple in mm. Connecticut when it comes to theater. So I interned at the education department right. and I sat there and I learned as much as I could or learn from Elm Shakespeare, who was like another big staple in the New Haven community. They do like, you know, uh, Shakespeare in the park every summer. So like I had a lot of like great mentors and then I was like um, really talking to my advisors and um, really asking them questions, not, not being afraid to go to my advisors and, Southern or Professor Sheen at Houston Town and go, Jeff, this is what I want to do. How do I get there? That For any artist watching, okay, that is one of the most important questions you can ask. This is what I want to do. How do I get there? That's like one of the most important questions because, you know, you can say, hey, I want to do acting, but then it's like, what kind of acting? Do you want to do commercials? Do you want to do theater? Do you want to do film? Like, because there's different methods to get to either one of those. But yeah, that's how like I kept going. And then the other thing too is just like it's not like I was a um it's not like I was like a, a, a business major, you know, at Hesotonic taking like um electives or whatever. Like for me, you know, it made things much harder though. And, you know, um career wise, because career wise, because it's not easy. Hesotonic, I was just a straight theater major. And then when I got to Southern, it's not like I had a minor and theater and like a major in business or like communications like no it was just like straight theater this is what i wanted to do you know so what i will say is like putting yourself around those people that are like you know motivated also keep you motivated also you know like so like for example and this is this is nothing against you satanic i'm just keeping it real it's just like if you're in say like a acting class at Houston Tonic or say like a directing class at Houston Tonic like I love Professor Sheen Professor Sheen is great but being at a Houston Tonic you might be in an acting directing class or something and like it might be 20 students in a class right out of the 20 students in a class 12 might be theater majors right the rest Mm. of them might be like oh I'm a nursing major I'm a business major so if like your teachers stick you in a group with somebody that's a business major you want to act on one and you got that fire, like, you know, like, say me and you is like two of the people out of a group of three. And it's like, me and you, we on it because we actors. That third person might be like, yeah, I'm, I'm a nursing major. I'm just trying to just get this to get this easy elective or this, that, and a third. Or, you know, they might be fine sliding out there with a C, not realizing, like, yo, this is acting one or this is directing class. And we need to meet outside of class, you know, and put like an hour in rehearsal outside of class because we were struggling in the actual class time. There's a lot about uh, putting that time and at work in, you know. Um, but when I got to Southern, you know, I realized, like, there's no, okay, 12 people or, you know, theater majors and the other 20. is just, like, all 20 people in there 
95% of the time are theater majors. And even if like you might have one or two nursing or business majors, they about that life. They're like, look, I'm here for a reason. Right. I'm not about to waste this money. I'm going to get it. So everybody's motivated. So it's different. So That's you good. just know nobody's going to slack. And it makes you step your game up like, oh, 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 they bought that life. Like, let me, you know, let me go home and memorize my lines or let me do my script work on a train or, you know, let me call out of work so I can spend the whole day memorizing lines or something, you know, like that's what it is. Right, so right. it's like putting yourself around people that are in the field that you want to be in and asking the right question and, you know, not being afraid to go, hey, I have trouble please help me. I'm having trouble. Like, could you help me? Like, you know, mm. cause it's, it's not easy. You know, like I'm not even going to lie and say it's not easy. Um, cause it's not, um, you just gotta like do the work, have a strong work ethic and trust that like, you know, your hard work is going to pay off and remember why you're doing it. You know? Yeah. Um, shout out to professor Sheehan, man. He is, uh, that guy is, is a goat. <laughs> yeah. He taught a lot of, he taught a lot of a lot of great actors and actresses over the years, man. Like Houston Tonic, for anybody watching, like Houston Tonic is like one of the best theater programs in the whole entire like state. Like Professor Sheen is like Professor Sheen is like the Phil Jackson of this shit. Okay, so yeah, like if you yeah. want to go be local and get and get a good theater education, you could go right to Houston Tonic and take like an acting one, acting two, directing voice and diction, and get that foundation. You know. Rather than going all the way to the city and spending a whole bunch of money, you can go right to Houstonic, take a couple of classes, get those key skills that you need, and be good. But the important thing is, just like you got to put the work in. Like it's all about right. how much work you do. You know, if you put the work in, you will put the work in. You're gonna be amazing. You know. Right, right. I got a story about him. Um, he, uh, even though like I gave up, but he literally like was like always on me and making sure that I was embodying my craft. Um. When we did Welcome to Arroyos, um, mm-hmm. he wanted me to like literally make sure I soak up the culture of uh, of Harlem, Spanish mm-hmm. Harlem, and mm-hmm. making sure that I understand like what the slang mean. Making sure I understand, and I thought I had a good idea because like, man, I'm black, <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, no. Every city has a different culture and but within New York every barrel has a different culture so mm-hmm. it was like a really beautiful journey and then well and then he was like laughing at me because he cast me as a cop and he know how I felt about the police <laughs> <laughs> he was like you're not Jamar the the anti cop you're Jamar the cop right now well Derek mm-hmm. the cop right now and I had to embody that. I had to literally embody being someone that I would never envision myself ever being. And that's the beautiful thing about acting, because you can take on so many different characters, so many roles. Listen, you can hate what you're doing, but you gotta do it so well. You gotta sell it. <laughs> listen, man, I got I got I got a story about Professor Shane too, man. Like I got plenty of stories about that man. I love that man. Listen. Yo, we was doing this play in 2010 at Houston Tonic called Freak. And Freak is about a whole bunch of high school kids, like, you know, facing their different challenges or whatever. And um, mm-hmm. I was in a play with a couple of people. Um, Whitney Lucky was in a play with me. Shout out to Whitney Lucky. Um, right. And who Whitney Lucky, who was actually, I think she's actually a cop or something like that. I love Whitney Lucky, though. That was just funny. Okay. Um, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. But, uh, yeah, like, I was doing this play called Freak. And 
I forgot the name of the playwright. I think she's an um, I think she's an Asian American playwright. Um, anyway, the names of the characters they didn't have like you know Tommy or Joey. The names of the characters was on some old like uh, swimmer kid, rocker kid, rocker girl, smart smart guy. Like it was just generic names. And in the play, um, I played two characters. I played swimmer kid and gay drama kid, or whatever the case mm. may be. So like I was like, you know what, Jeff um because we had some people in the play that were like uh jamaican or whatever and you know how jamaicans are like they're like jamaican or haitian i forgot but one of them was mm -hmm. like i don't want to play the gay character you know so <laughs> me i was like definitely nobody want to play the gay character i have no problem playing a gay character because i wanted the challenge so i had to play two yeah, characters yeah. swimmer kid swimmer kid and like gay drama kid or whatever and me you know being like a skinny person the majority of my life i was self-conscious about playing swimmer because I had to come out on the stage and some speedos. So I challenged myself mm. on like, I want to be so stuck in character because you, you're not supposed to be, okay, this is Jason on stage. It's supposed to be my thinking is swimmer. So I got to like, let go of that. This is Jason on stage. This is swimmer out here doing a scene or whatever. So I went mm -hmm. out there and I did the scene as swimmer. And I remember like, that was one part of stepping up on my comfort zone. The other part playing gay drama kids, like I never played a gay character before. I mean, I didn't have to like, um, you know, like kiss like uh, a guy or anything like that. You know, he was um gay drama kid. He was a theater guy. He was gay. He came out with a scarf on. You know, I changed my voice a little or whatever. You know, really like flamboyant. That's how I played him. And I didn't understand like, you know, like, um, because I was thinking like, okay, this is fun. This is fun to me. I just like playing a character. Mm -hmm. But I remember during the rehearsal, Jeff kept going, Jay, don't make him funny. Don't make him funny. And mm. I'm like, what are you talking about? Jeff, this character's funny, you know? He's like, don't make him funny. And there's this part in the play where, like, there's, like, one scene where, like, all the characters are there. And the whole time, the whole first half of the play, everybody's laughing at my character because he's a funny character. It's a funny play. But, like, there's this, this dramatic moment in a play where like the characters are like doing these confessions or like, I don't like when people do this. I don't like when people do this. And like the moment gay drama kid says, I don't like when people make fun of me. You could hear a pin drop. You feel me? Because I tapped into that part of, I remember what it was like being teased when I was younger, you know? So mm -hmm. I found that human element of like, I'm not even playing him, you know, gay flamboyant. I got to tell a story of like, yo, people not respecting him or they're teasing him because he's different. So I yeah, got to bring right. that human aspect to it of like, yo, this is a human being. He has feelings just like anybody else. So what if he dresses different or walks funny or, you know, likes the same sex? He's like human. And like, you know, because of Professor Shane, I was able to discover the human aspect of that character. So when I, whenever I said that line in a play that that scene, you could hear a pin drop. Like the whole energy is different. Like, I don't like when anybody makes fun of me. It's like, boom, all of a sudden wow. he's not funny no more. You feel me? Like, they're like, they're looking at him like, oh, yo, like, you know, like, rather than, haha, he's running around with a scarf, funny, being flamboyant, it's just like, all that stuff yeah. when I say that line. So, like, yeah, that's, that's my just Professor Sheen story. The room. And, yeah, that's my Professor Sheen story, because he really, like, you know, challenged me to find, like, you know, not just the comical stuff of the character, but, like, yo, this character's human, and you have, you, there's a story that you need to tell, like, get out of your comfort zone, and I definitely got out of my comfort zone with those characters and it was a challenge, but like, you know, um, it was fun because I was able to find a human aspect of that character and tell that story that needed to be told, you know? So um, the people that feel like him could be like, you know, represented, you know, in a proper way, so. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's that's dope. That's a dope story. Um, 
what what did you do? What other plays? Like how you did a lot of plays, like and stuff like yeah, I did that, a couple right? at Houston, and I did a I did a couple at Houston. I did like two at Southern, and then I did like some yeah. collective consciousness. You know, I gotta go. I gotta come and see your projects one day, man. Especially you got you in New Haven, and I'm literally like downtown New Haven. I'm like in the heart of everywhere where everything's at. Man, like, I can get to man, listen. <laughs> yeah. I know. Like I was just in New Haven last night. Um, look, man, collective conscious. You know, shout out to like uh. Dexter Singleton and Jenny Nelson, amazing artists. Those were my community. high school teachers. Look, so you already know Dexter and Jenny's amazing. <laughs> I can't wait to uh, Collective Consciousness. They open up again. Um, we were doing Skeleton Crew up there at Collective Consciousness, and then like we literally started the run like at the beginning of March. So like the second mm. weekend, it was just like the pandemic. The whole world got shut down. <laughs> so it was just like yeah. you know, but um, yeah, I did stuff with I've done stuff with Collective Consciousness. I did Jesus Hop the A Train, and I did um. Skeleton, Skeleton Crew with them. Um, it's an amazing theater. Uh, they like to say they're the best kept secret in New Haven. Is like the plays that Dexter and Jenny picks to mm. uh, do at CCT is just like you know the um, Jesus Have the A Train about like the you know the justice system and the mass incarceration and you know Skeleton Crew about like you know the uh, auto plants closing in Detroit. Like they pick. Um, and even um, Tanisi and my other boy, Steven, they did Passover, which is now on Passover. I think Passover just closed on Broadway, but CCT did it a couple of years ago. And CC, uh, Passover is about like, you know, you know, police brutality and stuff like that. So they picked like all conscious, you know, social justice type themes for all their plays. And it's, it's a small, like, I want to say 50, 60 seat theater but the the level of talent that comes through there is just like you can look at some of the actors and they're like uh like tamika pedway like goodness like tamika you should be on tv or broadway like you're super talented you know um like it's just you know like i said one of the best kept secrets you know and and new haven you see a lot of like um theater people from from Hussey or filter in and do CCT. You know, you'll see a lot of people from Southern filter in and do CCT. Maybe even a couple of people that um, from Yale, maybe that's like, hey, I'm gonna come do this play with CCT. But it's such a beautiful experience. Like that's one of my like favorite companies to work with. You know, like I love Dexter and Jenny the way, uh, you know, they work with you is like amazing. And, um, you know, I could say like, uh, listen, Professor Sheen, right? Professor Sheen, he taught me the basics. And that was like the warm up. Is just like when I got the CCT, Dexter's like, "Yep, I'm gonna push you harder than you ever been pushed before." I know I was talking about like the challenge of like <laughs> gay drama kid and freaking 2010, but when I started working with Dexter, man, like he was like, "Yeah, yeah I know yeah, what you can hard. do." On CLC, but now I'm gonna push you, and I had to go even further. So it was always like about tackling them challenges, you know, and just you know getting better. And I did get better as an actor, you know, like working with Dexter and Jenny yeah. at, at CCT, you know. Um, but it's, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a cool experience and like because of the heavy content um of the plays and you're in that small theater like 50 60 people it's like when that ball get rolling and it's like the energy in the theater it's like you're right there so like the experience is amazing you know like right. um, it's so it's intimate amazing. yeah uh, um that's a um i i, I uh when you talk about how 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 Dexter likes to push people, he was my um, director for the last play I did my senior year of high school, uh, Anonymous. Okay. 
And uh, I was a non. Um, it was my first lead role. And let me tell you, he 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 tore me apart, man. <laughs> he made me. That's like, how you get better. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my god. He's like, hit her. And that's not a her no more. That's him. Hit him. I need you to literally sell this. Hit him. And if I didn't do it right, you're not doing it right, Joe. <laughs> Everybody's like, yo. Is he yelling at? He's yelling at the studio. <laughs> but listen, but it had to be done. It had to be done. I had to get there. Listen, when I when, when we was doing Jesus Hop the A Train at CCT, I was playing like this uh, correctional officer Valdez and um, Terrence Terrence Riggins, who is a phenomenal actor. Like this guy's been on like TV, and Terrence is uh, he's a bit of an older gentleman. Um, he's older than me. Terrence, he was playing the character of, uh, I want to say Lucius or Luther. I don't remember the actual character's name. And he's playing an inmate. The other person in that play was Jelanty uh, De Los Santos. Uh, my homegirl Bridget was in the play playing Jelanty's lawyer. And Rob was playing another correctional officer. Anyway, there was a scene where Valdez had to grab Terrence's character and, like, basically fake spit in his face. And the whole rehearsal, I was just like, because, like, I was scared, like, Oh, you know, like here and Dexter's like Jason. I'm gonna need you to really fake spit in this man's face. I don't believe you. Now, this is the other thing too. I'm six one. I'm about like 190 pounds. Terrence is big. Terrence is like right. six feet, probably 250 muscle. Like he's diesel. So like yeah. my skinny ass is like, all right, man, get this out. And Dexter's like, look, you gonna have to be really intimidating because Terrence is bigger than you. So like, I had to be really mean in the moment where I spit in his face. Is like, you know, um. I had to cuff him and I think turn him around. It was really abrupt, like, like quick. And like, yeah, it took me a couple of weeks to get it right because I was scared. And Dex was like, no, Jay, I don't believe you. I'm going to need you to like, don't believe you put some stank on it. Like, you know, like. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. One one great thing I saw him direct uh, at the CT Collective. Um, oh, man. It was uh, this, I can't remember the name of the play, but it was basically about uh Martin Luther King's last moments before he left the actual uh hotel room. Yeah. He was yeah, the mountain top. The, the mountain top. I didn't get a, yeah, I didn't get a chance to see that. Um I I wish I could I think Terrence was in the mountain top. The, the gentleman that I'm talking about is Oh, that's what you're talking about? That dude's yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, I think Terrence is in the mountain top. I wanna say I'm not sure if Tamika was in it too, but I think Terrence was playing Martin Luther King in the mountain top. That was that was yeah. amazing. I didn't get a chance to see Mountain Top because uh, that that was one of those times where I was like um, at Southern man working full time yeah, yeah. being a theater major. So like yo, that was that was just tough. Like I couldn't get a chance to make it out to see plays, you know. Like, but um, right, right. Mountain Top, I'm pretty sure was was amazing. I I think I probably might have that. So I might have that play. I know I've read it before. So, mm-hmm. man, man, and um. Your poet, so like, do you think that your acting skills is what makes your poetry so much more different from the other poets? The like the dynamics that you're able to actually sell what you're saying with more power. Well, I will say this, you know, um, like, um, I, I will say this is just like taking acting classes made me a better performer when it comes to like poetry and stuff like that because poetry um 
being a theater major, you have to take voice and diction class. So it's like, it teaches you how to say things, you know, right. like um, what the proper diction, like you can say, baby, I'm hungry. I want to go to the store. You could say mm -hmm. it like, you know, regular like that. You could say it for Chase. It's like, baby, I'm hungry. I want to go to the store. Or you could say it angry. Like you just punched in her face, like, baby, I'm hungry. I want to go to the store. So it's like three different ways you can say things. But um, voice and diction taught me how to like play with the language. You know, if you're, mm -hmm. you know, you're doing a love poem and you can say like, you know, uh, instead of saying her smile is lovely, it's like, you know, you make the word sound like, the word that it is like not her smile is lovely it's like her smile is lovely you know like different mm -hmm. ways to say things so that definitely made me a better performer as far as poetry and um i remember being in professor sheen's acting class um and acting one and he kept saying wait until what i'm teaching you wait until you apply it to your spoken word and i was like okay jeff like i'm like he's very passionate you know how jeff is like wait till you and i'm like okay so one day I went to do like this, uh, I want to do my beautiful summer poem for like college prep, uh, VIP, Teresa Wilson and I want to do it at VIP for high school students. You know, beautiful summer is about a nerd, got a crush on a girl, um, and she ain't really like messing with him like that. And I started using the acting techniques that Jeff taught me. It's the first time I did it using the acting techniques. You know, I know the poem by heart, I do it all the time. Man, and the first time I did it using the acting techniques, it was just like, I just felt a ball of energy around me. Wow. And I was, it was like, cause I was in character doing it. I wasn't Phoenix doing it. I was like, okay, let me put myself in a mindset of this character. Just like I would put myself into the mindset of like, you know, a Valdez from Jesus Hop to A-Train or um, any other character. I was using acting techniques and I went there and I did it and I was like, it's like, it's like riding a bike the first time without your training. It was like, oh my God, I'm doing it. And I was in the poem and I was almost forgetting some of the lines because I wasn't used to like being in that energy of the character. And I did it and I was like, you know, that was amazing. And Jerome G was like, from here on out, you got to perform Beautiful Summer like that every single time. <laughs> and then once like, then I started putting two and two together like, Wait. Oh, I see what Jeff was talking about. And even when um Helena D. Lewis from Deaf Poetry, she came down to feature for Lyrical Voices of a, a couple of years ago. One of the best things she did, one of the things she said, she said, like, look, for all spoken word artists, poets out there, take an acting class. Mm. She's like, take an acting class. Um some of the poets you see in like New York that win slams and kick butt, a lot of them, they had some type of theater training. Like, I don't remember which competition he won, but it's this brother by the name of Carvin Lassan. I know he won some type of competition at New Yorican or something like that. He's an amazing poet, Carvin Um, Because when I met him, you know, I was introduced to him on the poetry scene, watching him do like this dope poem about like robbing a financial aid office or whatever, which was really cool and creative. And I'm like, yeah, this yeah, guy's yeah. amazing. So, you know, you add the poet on social media, like, hey, brother, I enjoyed your poem. You know, you follow him. And then it's like, he ends up going to uh, Columbia University for their acting program, which is an amazing school for acting, by the way. And then it's just like, I think last year, year before last, he might still be on it now. It's like, he's on a tour for uh, Lin Manuel's play Hamilton. So, you know, like, mm. this, that dude, like, he's like a, an actor, actor. You know, like, he's out there getting it. His skill is amazing, but it's just like, 
you can even look up on YouTube if you see like the way he does his poems, it's like, oh, I can see how theater training benefits like doing poetry because it really helps with your performance. Because you know, like when you're talking about slamming and like competing and trying to get that 30, like, you know, a part of it is what you write and your message and stuff like that is what you write in the content. But the other part of it is the delivery <laughs> and yeah. the performance. That's that's everything too, you right. know. So like they go they go hand in hand. And I always say like, yo, a poem is just a three minute prayer or a three minute monologue. Like that's all a poem really is, you know. Cause um a lot of times as poets we write things, but we don't really understand what we write. You know, because it's our poem, it's like whatever. And it's like, you know, when I help, because I help a couple of my people in the poetry scene, like kind of give them some acting pointers or whatever to apply to when they slam. And I'm like, who are you talking to in this poem? Um, mm. What this poem is about, like, you know, who are you talking to? This poem is to your, to, to your ex-girlfriend or this poem is to your, imagine them sitting in a chair right in front of you and you saying the poem directly to them. Like, yo, you got, uh, you know, you got a couple of, couple of times. Uh, you got, I don't know. Well, one of my friends, right? He did this poem, but he was slamming or whatever, right? And one of his poems is about like uh, one of his friends that got murdered or whatever. And the poem is about her. And mm. I told him, I said, this is when I started really like applying a theater training to acting. I said, you know, you have a slam coming up. And I was just like, this is what you do, right? I said, this poem is about her, right? Imagine, you know, she came from heaven and said, yo, you got three minutes and 20 seconds to tell me everything that's on your heart. Go. So when you spit that poem, imagine her sitting in front of you. And when wow. he was doing a, yeah, when he was listening, when he was doing a slam, right? He was trying to make a slam thing. When he was doing a slam at M White Lounge or whatever, and it was like the third round, before he even said anything, before he even spoke, you could feel his energy resonating in the whole entire room because I was, I told him the acting stuff to do. That thinking like that character is powerful because that's the energy you brought to output. And when you get in that energy, you know, like, and then you spit that joint on a stage, they're going to feel every single emotion you nice. were spitting or whatever. So that's why I always use that story. I'll be telling people, like, when you apply that, those acting techniques, that's what's going to bring your joint to the next level because that emotion and that passion, you can't deny it, you know? So, like, yeah, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> like, you know. Right. Nah, that 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 was a great that was a great answer because you know like I'm just thinking about the similarities as well too within my craft and a lot of it is what I was learning off of like just watching y'all because y'all was like the rock stars back in like you guys still are the rock stars but you guys were like the rock stars to me when I was getting into poetry and rapping and stuff like that uh, you and um Xavier um. And we were trying to do the, the the slam teams and stuff like that. And I would just like, look. And what I'm seeing is now is just like, because I already thought you was the shit back then when I was a teenager. But now I'm hearing that you also like was like growing your craft even more still and building and even getting stronger and learning more aspects. And I'm just like, wow. So I'm over here thinking you already was on top of the game, but you still no. like, was... <laughs> no listen at that time when i met you i was still like i, I think like all the, the a lot of these stories that i'm telling you is like at that time when i met you that's why like i'm like fresh out of acting one still learning it myself right you know and um, right. a big thing that i will say like it's always good to have like you know um somebody that's been on the scene 
longer than you to like teach you. And that's why I said like, it's okay to like humble yourself and ask questions, you know, because it's like, yo, hey, midnight, I see you just got a 30 in the slam. Like, how do I get, I want to do that. How do I get there? How do I get better? Hey, Kualo, could you give me feedback? Shauna, what can I take out this right, poem? Right, right. Can I edit this? Like, you know, we write a poem, we call six or seven people and we try to like get feedback so we can become better, you know? Right. And, um, and I understand how it is to be new on the scene and just kind of be like trying to find your way. And it's like, man, I need help and feel alone and, you know, or whatever. And, you know, I know how that feels. So that's why like anybody that's new on the scene, even to like, to this day, you see me at Polish Rama or whatever, um, I'll talk to the newer artists and I'll be like, hey, I really enjoyed your poem or whatever. And I'll talk to them and I'll chop it up because somebody did that to me, like, you know, mm. when I first started and that's how I got better, you know, it's just like, you know, you could, you could never stop learning. So like, if I see a poet that's 16, 17 or somebody that's 18, 19, or they like, yo, I just wrote this and it's my first time doing poetry, I'm going to encourage them and be like, yo, add me on a book. If you got any questions, you know, feel free to hit me up because like, it's all about learning and, and growing, you know, like they always say like, you know, um, acting is the most like selfless, like, gifts or whatever because like it, it it's not yours you prep and you learn and everything but you give everything to the audience and everything to the crowd so for me it's just like i'm very open about like hey yeah i do improv yeah i do acting i do poetry if you ever have a question feel free to hit me up and i'll teach you you know how to do what it is that i do or i'll answer any questions that you have because somebody did that for me or dexter did that for me a Tanisi did that for me, you know, a Jenny did that mm. for me, a Professor Shane did that for me, Professor Mason, like, you know, a Midnight did that for me, Influence Shauna Buddha, like, if I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for these people, if it wasn't for me humbling myself and be like, yo, hey, help me, whether they're near, yeah, because Tanisi's a couple years younger than me, but that man is so knowledgeable in acting and poetry, you know, so, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm older than you, I got an ego, I'm better than you, it's like, no, nah, like, right, right. you know, you, you can teach me something, you know, like, and that's, that's where I am that's how I got to where I am. It's like, I wasn't afraid to humble myself and ask questions. And sometimes I felt like, yeah, I know what the hell I'm doing. And, you know, I fell flat on my face a lot of times. So you're going to have a bad show sometimes. But at the end of the day, you got to dust yourself off and try again. But always humble yourself and don't be afraid to ask questions because, you know, um, like uh, how to, how Drake be saying in his songs, like, you know, I did it by myself. I blew it. That's bullshit. That, don't ever listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> you can never do it by yourself. That is bullshit. You know, like uh, God, God Allah, man, man. <laughs> yeah, God, Allah, Yahweh, whoever you pray to, and then your community around you, you know, because right. somebody had to open a door for you and be like, you know what, I'm going to give you a chance. You know, I'm going to put you in this play or I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to put you in this movie or, you know what, um, the open mic list is full, but brother, you know what, you can go, you know, I'm going to squeeze you in there. Something like somebody gave you an opportunity or a chance. So like right. people, that whole, I did it myself, like, no, that's, that's all bull. <laughs> that's why I love about the Kumba kickbacks and the poets realm and stuff like that. Like it literally you're in the community of everyone there. Majority of everyone there is just murderers. They are just nasty at their craft. Like it's just insane. Just influence the life. You fucking um, Mufasa, all of them. Like they y'all are just they're just murder, just 24-7, just destroying it like <laughs> you just go in there you just just feel the vibe like the culture is just strong in there like 
it, I don't know how no one is not changed. You, I feel changed every time I try to go there. Every time I pull up, like I feel so changed. Like it's just, it's just raw. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah, it's beautiful vibes and it's beautiful energy. Shout out to uh, shout out to the Rhythm and Brews podcast. Uh, yeah. Never say no. We we just did an improv show with them, and like I wasn't gonna really do improv like that. We'll never say no because it's quarantine and you know like. I haven't really done a show in a while, but like seeing the brothers at the kickback and then like running into people on the poetry scene, like Tamani Rain, you know, who's one of the hosts of Poets from, she's like, Phoenix, when are we going to do yeah. improv? And I'm like, just seeing them have like, you know, and then um, Luck, Lucky Lefty from Rhythm and, Rhythm and Brews, being at a kickback and both of them coming up to me and going, yo, we need to do some improv. And I'm like, you know what, it's time to do improv. And just like seeing their energy mm-hmm. and how they are as people and as artists and how passionate they are, that made me go, all right, let me let me put something together, whatever. And the show, you know, the show was like the show was phenomenal. It's just because it's the energy and who they are as people, and just willing and being able to learn and be like, all right, let's do this. And everybody just with that energy and the spirit of like, yo, this is gonna be dope. I got your back. Like, like let's do this. It's like just all getting together and like coming together and just like just going out there having fun. It's like that. That's that beautiful like chemistry would never say no on rhythm and bruise and the show was the show was 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 pretty cool you know like um and there was there was some mess ups there were some times where like some games didn't go over well but at the end of the day it's just like yo it was improv and the crowd was still rocking with us and it's like that's how you know like stuff is cool because like some things didn't go over like you know good it, it kind of like you know a little technical like mess ups and stuff like that but like the crowd was still into it and like the team like never saying the rhythm and bruise is like I mean, it's cool. We'll get them next time. It's cool. We're so busy out there, so busy out there right. having fun. You feel me? It's like, man, right. it is. I'm, you know, so if say a game didn't go well, it was like, as you can see, this is improv straight off the top of the head. You know, like, uh, sometimes things don't go according to plan. Like, we're making this up on the spot. All right, next. Like, we're just vibing. We ain't even care, you know. But it's like the people I was on the stage with just vibing and, and having fun, you know. Um, I need to pull up to one of those improvs. I miss yeah, I'm trying to do. So- I'm trying to do another one um, after the holidays, maybe like uh, February or something like that. Um, you know, if yeah. I like, do one in December, I'm like, that's that too soon. I just did one in November, you know. Um, so right, we're trying right, to right. make it like uh, <laughs> we're trying to make it a regular thing, you know. Um, now that like you know more people are getting um, vaccinated and people are like you know starting to do a little bit more like live like theater and stuff like that, because you have to think like. Broadway kind of just opened back up like in September, <laughs> you know, so now things are getting a little bit more comfortable with um, concerts and like live performances. So, you know, we're just, you know, looking into doing so and then like February, like maybe finding a bigger space or maybe still doing it at Bridgeport Creates, but limiting like, you know, the amount of people that can come in because it's still quarantine and I, I do want to provide this, you know, right. performance entertainment to the community, like, you know, improv or whatever and also like you know provide the platform if people want to learn improv like start teaching workshops so you know like teens and like you know adults like it improv is fun and it's a great stress reliever if you just want to come be free for a minute you know um so yeah people got to be careful like i like how you're mentioning like it's still it's still a pandemic um and Mm -hmm. you gotta you gotta be cautious around here around and and it's so because like you know i went to a function yesterday and like I'm just like nobody in this motherfucker wearing masks. I hope everybody in this bitch vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I feel you. 
I was kind of scared. Like even when I went to the big the big E, I'm just like, oh my god! Then you know the big E is like crowds of people. I'm like why the hell mm-hmm. we went to? Let's <laughs> freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> but I had a glass. But I was wearing my mask indoor and outdoor. I had my mask outdoor all the time. <laughs> I was scared. Listen, man. I was in. Um, I went to Southern yesterday afternoon to see a uh, a play out of bounds. Um, there's a play called Out of Bounds. Um. It's by uh, Gracie, I forgot Gracie's last name. Gracie, who's an adjunct professor, a woman of color adjunct professor at Southern in the theater department, and Sarah Bowles, uh, she's uh, head of the education department at Elm Shakespeare and adjunct professor at Southern. And it was amazing, you know, it was about like, you know, um, basically, you know, current topics like abortion and um, gender gender and all that other stuff. But afterwards, um, me and me and my fiance like we linked up with the kids and we're like come on let's go hey kids let's go to new haven let's go there get some insomnia cookies or whatever right because i met up with her and my children and it's just mm-hmm. like i haven't been to new york right since like since the pandemic or whatever so like me walking around with my son in downtown new haven going for insomnia cookies you live in new haven so you already know how it is saturday night and I think the Yale versus Harvard game was yesterday too. So like downtown was back at like six, seven o'clock. And my son is just sitting there like, and then we went to Aladdin's Pizza. We got like type of pizza and then like some of the cookies. In between that little interaction right there, my 11 year old son decided was just like, yeah, I don't like New Haven. He was just like, there's too many people, dad. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's dawning on me like, yo, I'm used to being in places, but I'm not used to being in places where there's this many people like on the sidewalk, just walking. Like it's just like you're crossing the street and there's like eight people on a corner trying to figure out right. which bar they want to go to to cross the street, or you're leaving Aladdin and then you're walking by a bar on the side of the sidewalk, but there's twelve people outside, you know, on yeah. a little patio joint or on the sidewalk. And I'm like, Yeah, this this feels like I'm in New York for a minute. I'm not, you know, used to seeing as many people out here. You know, like New Haven is downtown New Haven is wild, man. It's it, it, I don't remember it being this crazy when I first moved. Maybe I wasn't out in downtown New Haven as much, but I was working downtown and I don't remember it being this crazy. I feel like even when the pandemic, people were just like, yo, I don't care. Like you see the clubs, the line literally go out to the street. Like mm-hmm. it's insane. There's people everywhere. You got kids running into restaurants with no mask when they when there's a mask mandate. They're like, "Oh, can we use the bathroom?" I'm like, all six of you motherfuckers is gonna go in this bathroom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what like, it's all, you, you just gotta like, you know, you just gotta be, you gotta be safe or whatever. And at the end of the day, like, I'm still social. I'll still go to places, but I kind of really don't go to any places outside of like. Bridgeport like that like of course I go to the theater maybe like right. a brunch Thelma's or like something that Bridgeport creates something that's not the Thelma's yeah um but um yeah like I really don't I really don't go out to too, to too many places you know you know it's not that I'm afraid or anything you know because I've been to the casino during the pandemic and stuff like that but it's just like I think it was the fact that like I was with my children and I was out grabbing cookies and I'm like, and you know how a tight insomnia cookies is over there across Yo, the street from the sugar. And it's like 12 people in a line were like, I'm like, I think that's what made it go, damn. Okay, so we'll be out of here in a second. You know, like, it's just a lot of people here, like, you know? <laughs> Even your son, like, Yo, it's too much out here. <laughs> yeah. The cookies were totally worth it, though. We tore them cookies right. up when we got to the house. You know, ate right, some right. on the car on the way back, but like, yeah, it was a lot of people, you know. For me to move in that 
space is one thing, but for my kids, it's like I don't really, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we're about to we're we're getting down to the hour here, but um, I want to okay. thank you so much for coming on, and I got one more question to ask. I might have a second question after that, but um, it's okay. You know, I'm just I'm just talking about it because that it just happened yesterday, and everyone's talking about. It, so we might as well talk about it. This episode is probably going to be released next week. Um, okay, and then in December when everyone's good tensions but how do you feel about that whole Kyle Rittenhouse situation with that verdict and shit like um I feel like the verdict is I I feel like I feel like the verdict is BS yeah I feel like the verdict is BS and when I say the verdict is BS I'm not just saying that because I'm a black man I feel like the verdict is BS because the, the, the country they saying all the stuff about changing the gun laws and all this other stuff and it's just like why the hell does a 17 year old boy have an ar rifle exactly you, know? you like you are not in a proper headspace to be carrying a damn gun at 17 like oh you know what my name's jason you know i'm in the chemistry class um right. uh my, my, my girlfriend left me for the head of the football team you know what i'm gonna get my ar and i'm like you get what i'm saying you're not even mature enough to make those type of decisions to hold the damn ar you feel me so exactly. it's like when, when you I feel like when you have like your driver's license at like 16 or whatever the case may be, there's laws and stuff that go with you not driving at certain times or whatever, having your license because of the age that you are. Why does a 17 year old have an AR? Like they're not in that mental space to do that. And then it wasn't like his mom drove him like across state state lines or yeah. something like that. Like it's yeah. just, there's so much. She also says she's proud of him as well. Like, yo, your 17-year-old son <laughs> took somebody's life, you know, in a, pro- in a protest. Wasn't the protest about, like, police brutality or something like that? What was yep, the protest Jacob about? Blake. Jacob Blake, um, the father that got shot nine times um, in front of his uh, his children in the car. Um, and he's paralyzed from the waist down now. That, that, that was that protest. So, like, my whole thing is, is, like, the mom was wrong for bringing him. The 17-year-old is wrong for having the AR. Like, we're not even going to talk about the old self-defense and the technicality. My whole right. thing is the magic word here is intent. You were coming there looking for fucking trouble. Right. There's and he no literally re- had a full mag, too. Why would why you had a whole loaded gun if he wasn't intending to use it? Like, like, at the end of the day, you know, and he's like, oh, I'm here to, like, you know, protect the property or something like that that's bs because i watched some of the uh trial and i remember um hearing one of the words was going like they did not get in contact with those people to protect like was it a car lot or, or something like that you're supposed you to know? protect like a company something like that yeah the, yeah the owner the two brothers they literally on record said that they did not ask for them to come they did yeah. not want that and I understand, like, you know, everybody deserves their fair day in court. And, you know, they um, it has to go to trial. And, you know, hopefully the justice system works to the best of its ability. But um, I'm just going to say it. I just feel like in this case, the justice system has failed. It's like two innocent people, like, mm-hmm. lost their life or whatever. Because it's just like, you know, um, you, like, they went there with the intent looking to start trouble. You know, yeah. for example, we from Bridgeport, whatever the case exactly. may be, right? <laughs> Listen, 
we're not we, we from Bridgeport. You know, say we live on like the north end or whatever, nice side of Bridgeport. We're not walking in the middle of PT housing projects at one in the morning if we're not looking for some drugs or some pussy. I'm just gonna be honest. With you. It's just like we're not gonna go walk in the hood at one in the fucking morning. Like we just know better, you know. Like, right. So it's just like, why are you coming? You know, to a Black Lives Matter protest with an AR-15. You know, it's just like that. Just that just don't sit right with me. And it's it's messed up that that the 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 kid that that he got off you know because people innocent people lost their life you know or whatever the case may be and however the situation popped off is just like you know whether the um other people that were murdered whether they confronted him first like you know or whatever um i don't know all the situation but it's just like regardless if i'm at a peaceful protest at 11 at night Mm-hmm. And I see a white person, whether I'm white, black, whatever, and I mm-hmm. see somebody walk up with an AR-15, I'm going to feel unsafe. I don't care mm-hmm. what race you are, you know, so I, I think it's messed up. And it's just, um, I feel like in between that and in the whole, like, the whole, like, people, like, storming a capital at the beginning of this year is just like, Oh, you know, the January 6th shit? Yeah. yeah that was like, man, like... What was about to go down? <laughs> yeah, it's like they, they gotta, they gotta do something, you know, you know. And at, at the end of the day, it's like the justice system is supposed to make people feel safe, you know. I'm not just saying like, you know, just black people. It's just like, how do you feel safe when your politicians feel like they're in danger? And it's just like, how do you feel safe when people are peacefully protesting? But you know, the Kyle Rittenhouse thing, I, I don't, I didn't like the verdict, but. I will say this. At the end of the day, we can't get mad at Kyle Rittenhouse for what he did. Mm. Be mad at the system. The system is broken. It don't got nothing to do with him. Because for right. him to be able to do that right. at a protest where the police shot somebody nine times, it's the system that's broken. It's not him. He might have already been crazy or his mom already been off mentally in the head or whatever the case may be. So it's not them to be mad at. It's the system because it's like, what if something like this happens again? You know, that makes people feel like, well, damn, you know, this person can get off like scot free or whatever. And that, that sucks, you know. Um, and you think about like, okay, self defense or whatever the case may be, but still to the point of he is 17 with an AR rifle. Right. Like right. that makes no sense in a country that's trying to prevent like uh, mass shootings and all this other stuff. Is just like, it just it just yeah. doesn't make sense to me, you know. He could get off, but these other ma- these mass shooters and stuff are they going to get off in the future? Like, what 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 does this mean? You know, like yeah, it's, it's like <laughs> where's the line at? <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know it's it's messed up, and then it's just like now I'm gonna say this: if he was black, he wouldn't been out there like that. As soon as he got out of the car, he would have probably been shot dead yeah. in the street. They, yeah. they wouldn't be able to walk around freely, and yeah. like it's just. It's just ridiculous. And then it's just like. You don't hear any black person doing shit like this and getting Of course not. Not at all. The person that got uh, shot by the police, were they a black person that got shot nine times? Oh, it was too. Oh, so you're talking about uh, Jacob Blake. Jacob Blake was a black father that got into an argument with this lady and the lady called the cops on him. So when the cops were coming, 
he got upset that she called the cops up, so he just turned around and went back, was heading back to his car where he had his mm-hmm. kids in. And then when the mm-hmm. cops came, they were like, yo, don't move, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh, look, I'm just going to go back in my car. I don't want no problems. And then that's when one of the white cops just ran up and just right behind him, just shot him nine times in the back. Like, I was like, oh, dude, he's leaving. <laughs> what? He's leaving so, the argument. <laughs> the other thing, too, is it's like, it takes nine shots to stop, to stop somebody. Because I'll be honest with you, you could have ta- tased them and stopped them. Yeah, you could have shot them in the damn leg. If you shoot somebody right. on the leg, you go, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move. That, I right. mean, nine, like. Then his kid that? sees like, that. Like, the kids just saw a father, their father getting shot. Like, that's crazy. Like The poor kids are going to be traumatized or whatever. Like, and at right. the end of the day, it's just like, the poor kids are going to be traumatized. And then I also feel like when we see things like Kyle Rittenhouse in the media and him being able to get off, you know, it's traumatizing. Right. Seeing something like that is traumatizing. You know, it, it's just like, yo, this justice system, this, this justice system is failing us. You know, um, it's, it's sad that I got to be that way. You know, I just hope things like this doesn't happen in the future. Um, there definitely needs to be some type of like police reform. There definitely needs to be some type of like uh, reform when it comes to like um, gun control and how people have access to firearms, you know, um, because this is not like uh, some old gang violence or something like that. It's just no. like, yo, the access to these firearms is, is, is free, free. It's just like, you know, they need to do a bit of a stronger like background, a, a background check or whatever. Maybe, you know, look into like the family history or whatever, you know, um, if like, say like you trying to get a firearm, but like, you know, say like his mom, for example, got like mental issues, then they need to do like an extra step. Like, well, we needed you to come in and take this damn test. You know, you know how like when you apply for a job or something, maybe like answer these questions, they need to do something like that because it's like, he may not be legally in a system as crazy, but say like his mom is like off mentally, like you need to, you need to like interview him and make sure he's good before he even gets some type of firearm or something like that. Because you got to think we inherit a lot of things from our parents. Our parents teach us how to give and how to receive love or whatever. So if your mom treats you like joint, like, like crap or like your dad beating on you or crazy abusive, you're going to be a little off until you go to therapy and get that. And right. 17, we don't know what's going on in the household, you know, so, like, these are things that people need to take into consideration. It's sad that, you know, that people uh, lost their life, you know, at a at a peaceful rally to protest an injustice done to a man in front of his family. You know, it's just pouring salt into the wound. Like, this thing is just messed up, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like, you know, the, the, the whole thing of the matter is that the, the facts of it, is that he literally was brandishing his weapon, showing it off to people, and they told him to stay on the property. He decided to go into the street and point the gun mm-hmm. at people. He's looking for trouble. How is that not looking for trouble? I don't understand that. Um, and the other part is they're trying to say it's self-defense because these people try to disarm him. If you shoot somebody and you start running and people see that you shot somebody and someone's thinking that you're going to shoot somebody else, of course they're going to try to disarm you. They're, they're going to do two things. They're going to fight or run. So those two people that he shot after he killed that first guy, they were trying to disarm him 
and make sure that no one else gets shot. Nobody else was mm-hmm. shot at all during that whole protest. No one. Until that kid came. There was literally nobody getting hurt. And they showed multiple videos of how people were arguing, yelling at each other, but nobody was getting physical. Nobody was being violent until he pulled I, up. <laughs> I mean, I think it's I think it's crazy. And then the other thing too is I think like, you know, like I think it's also trying to push that false narrative that people of color can't can't peacefully protest. And that is completely false. It is like, no, we want to peacefully protest because we're protesting because a man got shot by the police. We are peaceful. Stop trying to spin that narrative and think we're all thugs or violent or animals or savages. Like, no, we're peacefully protesting, using our voice and our right to raise awareness to what's going on. And now, like, with this situation, it's just like, it's just trying to make it seem like people can't peacefully protest. And, I mean, you could look at, Kyle Rittenhouse and tell that he something's off with him. He looked like the kid in school that probably got his head dunked in the toilet a couple of times, like the makings of a super villain. Like, I'll show you, you know, like right, <laughs> right, man. He he's he's one of those kids that like straight up like if you he was your classmate and you probably see him like looking looking at guns and you try to be his best friend so he doesn't try to shoot you because <laughs> he's like this dude's gonna shoot the school up like he's gonna do it he's, either way. <laughs> You know, you know, you know how like in high school you always got like the kid that just like put his hoodie on and put his head on a desk to hold. He looks like one of those. You know, like, <laughs> I just, you know, and listen, this is at the end of the day, it's just like I can crack jokes like this because right. I work with I work with kids of all ages. I'm a substitute teacher. I teach people, so like I can, right. you know, when you've been educating for a minute, you can identify which students you're going to have to pay more attention to to really be patient with and stuff like that or you could tell what students might have trouble or might be like socially mm-hmm. awkward and stuff like that and you know as educators the students you lean into and you'd be super nice to them you ask them a lot of questions because maybe they don't feel loved they don't feel welcome but like sometimes you can look at people and you can just tell like yo something not right with this person you know yeah. and i just think the whole situation is a bad situation american is. better with the gun laws they need to do better with the justice system and the police reform. They definitely need to do better. Like, there's no reason why somebody should be shot that many times. Because what is the excuse you're going to use? Oh, I felt like my life was in danger. Oh, I felt like he was a threat. He's in a, he's a, he's a threat walking back to his car with right. his children. You yeah. get what I'm saying? Like, that's crazy. <laughs> that's absolutely crazy. You, but, you know, they'll, they'll come up with anything, you know? But, um, Thank you so much for being on here, Jason, man. This is dope. Love to have you back on in the future, man. Season three and everything like that. Um, what you got coming up next? What you got? You got any projects you want to shout out? Um, honestly, uh, the only thing I can really say right now is, is hey, you know, look out for uh, look out for Never Say No Improv Troop. We should have a show coming up in February. Um, follow me on Facebook, Jason Phoenix Hall, the name you see on screen. Uh, follow me on Instagram, Phoenix the Artist, P H E N I X the Artist. Um, follow me on Twitter, Phoenix the Artist, Phoenix without the O. You know, just the way you see it on the screen. Um, yeah, follow Never Say No on Instagram. Never Say No loves improv. Um, yeah, like us on Facebook. Never Say No Improv. That's what I got coming up. Never Say No. Um, we got a show coming up in February, and yeah, I'll be back at Houston Tonic teaching these capital prep students. 
um, you know, and I'm excited to get back to some of the norm to teaching and inspiring yeah. and, yeah. you know, um, uplifting these, these young men and women of color and the schools and just like, you know, inspiring them to be great and just do dope stuff and believe in themselves, you know, like that's all it's about because yeah. with this pandemic and this craziness we see on the news is just like, you just <laughs> gotta like avoid that and believe like, you know, that you're protected and that, you know, God got you and that you're amazing, you know, and just carry yourself like that, you know? Right, right, right. Thank you. Thank you, Phoenix, for coming on. You have a good night, brother. Well, good day. Anytime, brother. man. You too. Let me know when the episode posts. I definitely will. I will send you all the information you need. All right, cool. Thanks. Peace. Effectively transforming community. Peace in our human family. Volume unity. Divine light shining individually. Collectively transforming community. Peace in our human family. So below, feel the pain in my soul, the red pill dissolved. Organized, no matter the cost. Politicians starts wars, they don't fight, they send the poor. And nothing lasts forever as long as we stay together. Give hell to the masses, watch the unity rapture. This is for the kids and the culture. It's one love, one growth, one light, light warriors.